Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please subscribe to us on the socials with our handle at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting platforms by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? Today's show is a takeaways from week seven, as well as any news, so especially coming from the trade deadline. So we'll talk about some notable trade deadline offensive trades, and we'll talk about some interesting pickups off the street for some of these teams, as well as break down the week seven matchup. So, Jeff, why don't we start with the Buccaneers at Bills? We'll talk about the matchup, and we'll talk about someone who was picked up by one of these teams. Why don't you start? Arr, matey, we should do that. Jeff is in Buffalo, but yet he's wearing a Buccaneers Halloween costume. So, <laughs> Jeff, why don't you explain why you're sporting that outfit for Halloween? It's Halloween. We're recording this Halloween night. What can I say? It's just what I do. Arr, matey. See? To our listeners, what is a pirate's favorite letter? If you said R, you would be wrong. It's C. Pirate's true love is the C. All right. <laughs> Jeff, one of these teams picked up Leonard Fournette, and it's not the Buccaneers. Why don't you break that down, what that means for the Bills? So, oh boy, I don't know what this really does for James Cook going forward. I think this actually puts Loxham into a timeshare going forward, because I don't really think their skill sets duplicate too much. But what I have noticed with James Cook is he has turned into a little bit better of a runner. He runs more north and south, even if he can't get the large chunk gains that he's looking for. So that's been a real good improvement this year, and he's running a little bit different than he did early on this year as well. But I do believe Fournette takes those short-yarded situations. I do believe he takes some goal-line situations, and I do believe that takes some goal-line situations away from Josh Allen as well. But uh, any other things that I'm missing on this here? Where where are you ranking Fournette for the rest of the season? Uh, I think he's, uh, right now anyway, he's a flex play at best. He's going to be the short-yardage guy. He's going to get the goal-line carries, I believe. And that's bad news for Latavius Murray and Damian Harris and players of that ilk. But James Cook is still going to be the primary ball carrier. But with Fournette being the short yardage back, I think that could potentially help them if he still got some play in him. But speaking of short yardage play on a short week, the Bills pulled out this victory, Jeff. What what were your takeaways from the actual matchup this past week? Yeah, Yeah, so I think they dominated the game better than what the scoreboard showed. Allen spread the ball around much better than he had been in previous weeks. He did not seem to zero in on Stefan Diggs. He spread it to Gabe Davis, and he spread it around to Shakir as well as Dalton Kincaid. And anything that I took away from this matchup is Dalton Kincaid is going to be a stud in this offense. Also, from the Buccaneers' side of the ball, White is turning into a huge asset in the passing game. But... So I noticed that Mayfield is still slowed by his injury, and he was actually wearing a knee brace in this game. Should we add Khalil Shakir going forward, or is that a gross overreaction, Alex? I think he's a solid flex play, maybe a wide receiver three on bye weeks. I'm not going to jump the gun on him yet, but he's definitely someone that we should be keeping in mind when setting our lineups. I am not ready to declare him a legitimate starter yet, but I think he has the talent. And he has had a good week this past week. So I hopefully the Bills offense keeps doing stuff like this where they spread the ball around. And a lot of guys can feast rather than just Stefan Diggs. 
I think that bodes well for balance going forward. On the Bucks side, I agree that Rashad White's been an asset in PPR leagues and out of the receiving game. He's really the only guy that they have. Uh, he's not that great of a runner, and I would like to see them add another runner in some form. But they went past the trade deadline without making a move. Maybe they pick someone else off the street. I don't know. But until that point, he's still the guy for them. And Godwin, Evans, those guys are usually in for a good fantasy performance, whether it's yardage, catches, or a touchdown here or there. Both guys got a touchdown, so that's nice. Baker had an okay game. He's usable. And uh, especially against easier defenses going forward, Baker's a guy to keep in mind. Absolutely, and I think that is all I have for that matchup. Anything else that you would like to add to end this matchup? No, I think that's it for me. We can move on to the Falcons at the Titans, and this was an interesting matchup, Jeff. We both got this one wrong, correct? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think last week we got it wrong. Preseason, I might have called this one, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. That's a long time ago, and things have changed. You doubted rapidly. yourself. Yeah, things have changed for these for these two franchises a little bit. The Titans still fighting through, despite Atlanta having the uh, betting odds in their favor. So Will Levis was started. Most people did not expect him to actually have a good week against a supposedly good defense, and he lit them up on some deep plays. And that showcases his best ability is deep passes, like deep down the field, stretching passes. And they really caught the secondary off guard basically four times. Uh, I don't think Will <laughs> Levis was perfect in this game, but it was a good first performance. And I think that, uh, I mean, until Tannehill's back, and even if Tannehill comes back, if Will Levis plays this level, this coming matchup, I think that he's probably going to be the starter, even when Tannehill's healthy, because he can do something that Tannehill can't, and that's those really nice deep balls, and showcase someone like like Hopkins, who I think is better than what he's put up fantasy-wise or statistically. And I think that showed with three touchdowns in this game. And being able to stretch the field means it's good for the running game as well. Derrick Henry was able to get 101 yards off 22 carries. So if this team is this competitive, Henry should have better statistical games and better fantasy points for those of you who have Derrick Henry on your team. So it's it's good all around for this offense, and it will get this offense going to more of in line of what we expected this the past uh, seven weeks before this week too. What do you think about this matchup and what do you think about the Falcons side too? So exactly what you had said about Henry and Hopkins, like in this style of offense, they both should thrive, which is great. And I, I, I like Will Levis. I like where his jumping off point is. So that is something that's a good start. And I do think that you kind of have to start him the rest of the way at this point, because I think he might have more touchdown passes than Tannehill does all season already. He has double. Okay, so I was being a little facetious, but also now I'm correct. So, But Bijan looks to take over the backfield in Atlanta. Uh, but Van Jefferson is the one that actually cost Atlanta this victory. I don't know if you were watching any of that game on Red Zone, but it was a strike from Heineke to Van Jefferson that Van Jefferson dropped in the fourth quarter that ended the Falcons' last drive when they were actually driving to win the game. So it was a much closer matchup than we care to think in this one. Ritter did get benched, and who do you believe starts going forward? I think it has to be Heineke, at least going into this week. I actually like Heineke. I don't think that he's a star player. Uh, I think that he's a better quarterback at this point than Ritter is. I know there's a lot of metrics out there that suggest that Ritter is on the cusp of a breakout. I don't see it because it's a mental thing. So he has the talent physically, but he hasn't been able to put it together. Heineke played one game and looked really good. It looked like Atlanta was about to come back and take the victory. So 
Heineke to me has the momentum, and I think he'll get Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith. I think he'll get these guys rolling if he's leading the charge. And Bijan, hopefully, if they have a better passing game, they'll be able to counterbalance with the rushing game as well. Oh, boy. Okay. I don't see it that way. I think you got to stick with the young guy because I don't think there's any benefit to switching over to the journeyman veteran. So I don't think there's any long-term value in that. I don't see them as a Super Bowl contender. So it's, it, it doesn't really benefit them to going to the veteran right now, in my opinion. I, I disagree. I mean, you're the one who always harps on teams don't tank. They want to do they the best they can to they win a to game. Know what they right. have. Yeah, but they're first in their division right now. So why would they stop trying to win their games? They're 4-4. Four and four. The Saints are 4-4. Four and four. They're both tied for the division lead. So it means that they're still in playoff contention. So they're going to go with what quarterback they think gives them the best chance of winning. And right now, that's Heineke. That's not Ritter. And if they, if they sink... If they sink this year and they're out of playoff contention, they can go back to Ritter and see if he can improve and hopefully be the quarterback next year. But right now, Heineke's the better guy. Yeah, I don't think Ritter is it next year, and I think they need to 100% know that going into a giant quarterback draft this year. There's nothing worse than being stuck in QB limbo and thinking that Ritter could potentially have something. So they need to be for sure going into this offseason if he has something or not. If they keep yeah, winning, we all know Heineke, Heineke doesn't. I don't know. I just know what they're going to do probably this this next week is start Heineke. But we can talk about two two teams that may not be in quarterback limbo anymore, and that is the Houston Texans and the Carolina Panthers, who had a slugfest of a matchup. Very low scoring, 15 to 13, but Carolina did pull it off. So, Jeff, your team pulled it off. I know I I hedged mine. I know I picked the Texans, but I hedged it saying it's a very Texans thing to do to lose to a team like the Panthers. So it happened, and uh, Carolina got their first victory. But both these quarterbacks did very well playing against hostile defenses that played very well. I think Bryce Young was harassed multiple times and still managed to keep his head up. And neither quarterback threw an interception, which is pretty impressive for rookies. So I like both of that for uh, their long-term success, and hopefully they keep playing well and improving. Neither team could get a run game going. That's concerning for both both teams and wasn't a very good uh score so wasn't much to to reap fantasy wise jeff how do you feel about this matchup and these players here too i can't say that i'm surprised in this matchup because this is kind of what i picked i did like that young outperformed stroud and i know you might fight me on that one but it is in the stat book of young outperforming stroud in this one the backfields for both teams are very puzzling and confusing at this exact moment because it looks like hubbard has taken on the lead role for carolina and it looks like singletary turned the texans backfield into a 50 50 split kind of interesting things that i noticed during this game yeah they split in touches damian pierce was the better running back efficiency wise which isn't saying much on the other hand chuba hubbard was better the last couple weeks than Miles Sanders. I know Miles Sanders has had some injury issues, but neither of them could get anything going this game. I also think it's uh, concerning that the Texans had another offensive line injury. Their center, Jared Patterson, broke his ankle, so it's concerning that they keep having issues with their offensive line. Both these offenses need to figure something out with their run game, hopefully soon, but they haven't to this point. So both, both groups are very concerning. Absolutely, and I don't think either team is going to go very far this year. So 
they have a lot to figure out, both of the teams, and we'll see if they can throughout the course of the year. I know you're a little bit higher on the Texans than I am, but uh, again, this is a proof that they're not quite there just yet. Yep. Okay. Let's move on to what we hoped would have been a better game, and that's Jacksonville versus Pittsburgh. Jeff, you want to break this one down? Yeah, absolutely. This was a game where Kenny Pickett got knocked out of the game, and you're going to kind of notice a trend here with games moving forward. And Lawrence and Etienne carried the Jags to a win in bad weather. The, the weather was absolutely terrible in this game. And then it looks like Deontay Johnson is back at wide receiver one. And then, interestingly enough, and I know you're down on Ridley right now, and you keep saying Kirk is wide receiver one there, but interestingly enough, Ingram and Ridley both had double-digit targets, which is like which is like a big thing, because if you're getting opportunities, eventually they're going to hit. So that's kind of what it's looking like. Do you think Deontay has taken over wide receiver one of that team? No, I think he's the possession receiver, and I think George Pickens is the big play and overall better wide receiver. I just think that it didn't work out this week, and I think that Trubisky targeted Deontay more than Pickens. That's just how it played out. If Pickett plays, I think both receivers will have a more even distribution. Uh, as far as the Jaguars go, I think that Christian Kirk and Ridley should be evenly distributed. And some Sometimes one's going to have more targets than the other and more stats than the other, but I think it's going to flip-flop back and forth. I do think that I think ETN owners had a little bit of panic when he hurt his ankle and he looked like he might not return to the game, but he ended up returning to the game and then putting up even more stats. So I don't know if he's going to be able to keep something like this up with the incredible usage, (laughs) very high usage that that they're using for him. But he goes into the bye week, so he gets a week of rest. So that's good for you, ETN owners. On Pittsburgh side, it's very concerning. Jeff, have you given up on Najee Harris yet with another dismal performance? Oh, no. He actually looked like the better of the two running backs. And in a bad weather game, I'm definitely not going to write him off just yet. And it looks like Pickett is going is vying to start this upcoming week, which is surprising considering he left this game, didn't come back. And I, I do expect them to lean on Harris and um, Warren a lot in this game. So will be interesting to see, but he's outperforming Warren right now. So he's still the the running back one. Okay, well, let's move on to the Rams at the Dallas Cowboys, and this was a disappointing matchup. When I finally picked the Rams, this is the week they they let me down against a team that I despise. But man, do you think the Rams' season is about over with this loss, this beatdown from Dallas? So the Rams are a team that do not have a lot of depth on either side of the football. And basically what that boils down to is once there is an injury, they just don't have a person that can replace or um, fill in in the time being. So Stafford was knocked from this game, which I told you that was going to be a theme this week. Basically, he did come back into the game and he caught like a two-point conversion, right? I think it was a two-point conversion. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that was awesome. The Rams are knocking him down to day-to-day, so that's better than week-to-week. And um, so what that looks like for me is um, the Rams are are going to have to play a little bit better. They have an amazing receiving core. Their run game was derailed a little bit with losing Williams and Rivers, but Henderson seemed in his one week to pick it up pretty well. I also noticed I also noticed that the Cowboys, Dak, and 
CD Lamb, they they kind of were studs in this in this matchup. Like Pollard kind of took a back seat, but Dak and Lamb really looked good in this game. And the Rams' first half offense looked really bad to get them into that hole early on. What were your thoughts? I thought Dak had a good game, and I agree. He like he lasered into CD Lamb like CD Lamb was Stefan Diggs and Dak was a uh, Josh Allen. So that was interesting. Uh, I'm still worried that Brandon Cooks isn't getting enough looks. I'm sure you're worried about Michael Gallup not getting enough. <laughs> Cooks I'm sure getting you're worried looks. about Michael Gallup. Um, I'm sure people are worried about Jake Ferguson not getting more, although this was a good week for Jake Ferguson because he got the touchdown and four receptions for 47 yards, week. but he's not getting enough targets. So hopefully they even that out, but it's good for CeeDee Lamb owners that he finally had like a giant week. On the Rams side, I... Don't know. Like, if, do you think that if Stafford didn't get knocked out, that the game would have been much closer, or do you think Dallas would have still easily have won it? I think Dallas would have very easily won this game under any circumstances. Um, they looked really, really good in this game, but they also seem like kind of like the Dolphins, where they could land a knockout punch early. It's just when the, the, the Cowboys stink when they have to play close to somebody. Is basically how I look at that. Hey, well. We'll have more to talk about these two. Let him back a little bit. Yeah, I think if Stafford played, I think it would have been a different game, and I think it would have been a little bit closer. But I don't think that the Rams' defense is that great right now. They have some pieces, but they're still missing some guys in secondary. Um, Stafford would have hopefully been able to get more to Cooper Cup and open the game up a little bit more, but didn't happen. He got hurt. Um, We'll have more to talk about these two teams probably in the the week nine primer episode. So I'm sure we'll break down some stuff there, but good for the Cowboys, uh, bad for the the Rams this week. Absolutely. So we can move forward to our next matchup of the Vikings at the Packers. I'll let you get kicked off with this one, but does this continue our trend of quarterbacks? It sure does. Uh, One of my favorite quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins. Tore his, his Achilles this this past game, and he was having a very good game before that happened. Um, this bodes poorly for all the receiving options there for Minnesota, as well as their chances at winning in the playoffs. Uh, Jaron Hall looked very mediocre, so they made a big move, or a, a above-average move, and they traded for Josh Dobbs from Arizona. I don't think that that means they're going to win playoff games. They might be able to salvage their season a little bit, He's no Kirk Cousins, but he is better than probably Jaron Hall will be. So mm, kind of mitigated their loss a little bit, but you can't replace the Kirk Cousins very easily. So it's going to be a downgrade for me and for everyone going forward. So this was the last week, in my opinion, that guys like KJ Osborne and uh, Jordan Addison are going to have big weeks. Uh, I think that when Jefferson comes back, it's going to be a lot more split. I think TJ Hawkinson, though, I think Dobbs likes to target tight end. So it's, Good for Hawkinson owners, in my opinion. But, man, did Green Bay look terrible, Jeff. Your your former quarterback love, Jordan Love, is uh, no longer the player he was the first couple weeks. And I know the Vikings defense is now better than what they started out as, but Love hasn't been good. Their run game hasn't been good. Uh, Watson hasn't had a big week. Dobbs hasn't had a big week in a while. So it's very confusing, very chaotic for Green Bay right now. Jeff, what are your takeaways for this matchup? So love is not it, in my opinion. So that is just something that Green Bay is going to have to come to terms with earlier rather than later. Um, I think the Viking season is over right now. I know they traded for Josh Jobs. 
Um, but I think their season is just over right now. I think Green Bay season's over right now. I don't think they're using Aaron Jones appropriately. They really need to get something figured out with that because he's an asset to that team and they need more assets to help Jordan Love out. I, I, I can't believe the um I can't believe how well that the, the Vikings held off the Packers when, when they were driving to potentially tie or win the game late. Uh I know Love had a few scrambles that were short of the sticks on fourth down. Doesn't seem like the right call there. Um, where do you have both teams going from here? I Green Bay is going to easily miss the playoffs. Easily. The Vikings might stumble into the playoffs, maybe. But uh, just missing Cousins for the rest of the year is just a huge loss. So, I mean, I can't, I can't see them doing well, even if they make the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I don't see them making the playoffs at this point because I just don't see them having enough quarterback player, enough power to get there. Oh, right. So we can move on to the Patriots at the Dolphins. Again, not a lot to say in this game. Um, Tyreek is on record pace as the Dolphins overcome a little bit of a slow start to route the Patriots. And then both teams run games do not look good in this game. That was kind of my big takeaways on this matchup. Did you have anything to add to this matchup? <laughs> I mean, my- Tua keeps dominating Bill Belichick, so that's about it. That's interesting because typically Bill Belichick dominates younger quarterbacks, but this game right here went exactly as expected. All the players played exactly as expected. The only brutal part is Kendrick Bourne ended up with a torn ACL, and he did seem like he was becoming a big part of the offense. But um, yeah, we get to move forward and kind of uh, figure out where where each team goes from here, which I think the Dolphins go to the playoffs. So we can move forward then to the Saints at the Colts. And this game here was much closer. It was a very close game. It was two teams that were battling to try to get above 500 or at 500. I believe they're both three and four going into this game. So the Colts dropped three and five. Saints rise to four and four. Big difference there mentally. So if we if we look at this here, uh, Pittman definitely got the squeaky wheel treatment. Downs outperformed him, though even though he got the squeaky wheel treatment. Uh, Kamara and Taylor are absolute studs at the running back position, and that is awesome because I actually have both of them in one league where I took it. I was just going very, very risk-heavy this year, and it really paid off because we missed Kamara for three games. We missed Taylor for four, and then it's taken Taylor a little bit of time to get re-antiquated here. And so I guess my question for you is, how do you think the Saints look going forward, and is Derek Carr now officially healthy? Um, I think he's healthy enough and i think that the team is just starting to hit their stride for the for really for the first time this year um kamara is a ppr stud i i love him i have him in one of my leagues and i'm very ecstatic to have gotten him um michael thomas has been very consistent getting four or five catches basically on average each week for about 50 to 60 yards so he's usable alava has been kind of a disappointment Taysom hill though man what a confusing player. Um, he'll randomly have enormous weeks and then disappear. And at this point, <laughs> I don't know if it's better to have him or not have him because I feel like if you don't play him, he blows up. And if you put him into your lineup, he is going to have a bad week. But man, this offense could be even better if there's more consistency and we knew which players were going to get the big plays. Like Shahid is a deep target guy, um, a deep ball guy. And he blew up this week on just three receptions for 153 yards and a touchdown. You can't count on that every week because he'll have a week where he just gets 20 yards. Um, 
very boomer bust, but I think Carr will be Carr and Kamara will both be the two guys that you're starting basically every week. So I believe if we rewind the tape from last week that you called the Shahid start last week, and I'm going to give you 100% credit for that. Heck yeah, man. I mean, if you need a dart throw, you need a wide receiver three or flex. He's he's definitely a guy you can throw out there and, and hope for the best. So I hope you guys followed that, and it looks good for the rest of the year. I'm liking Josh Downs and Michael Pittman both for the Colts. I think they're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts. I don't expect them to win many more games the rest of the year. I know you love Gardner Minshew. I just think that we've seen the best of him, and I don't know if he can live up to his earlier starts this year. So, sorry, Jeff, but I don't really see that happening consistently. Oh, he will. He will. Um, You'll see. You'll see. They have a lot of easy matchups going forward, so you'll see. Okay. Well, are we ready to move on to the next matchup here? Yes, sir. The we got the New York City <laughs> brutal matchup. Uh, brutal matchup. <laughs> yes, sir. The, the Jets versus the Giants, and I did unfortunately watch a lot of this game, and uh, it was as bad as this, the scoreboard shows. Uh, luckily for the Jets, Zach Wilson showed a lot of guts at the end of the game and got him in tying position, and then got him in uh, winning position in overtime. And I, I really like. I think he's starting to turn the corner in some regards. He's not going to be a fantasy stud, but Real quarterback-wise, he might finally be starting to click in, in some regards. So he might end up being a guy that they're happy to keep on their roster, even if Aaron Rodgers comes back next year. Um, Brees Hall really only did uh, only did his points in the, uh, the air, so not much on the ground. Granted, the Giants' uh, run defense was pretty good, so a lot of it had to come through the air. And uh, Garrett Wilson... Also had a decent game. No touchdown, but 100 yards and seven receptions. So the Wilson to Wilson connection is looking nice. Um, the Giants are just a mess, man. Like Saquon Barkley is the only thing keeping them afloat. Uh, again, they didn't use Jalen Hyatt this week, so they lost. I'm just going to say it, man. You don't throw to Jalen Hyatt and involve him, you're going to lose the game. But it's the only guy who's helping them have a chance uh, on the receiving end besides Darren Waller. So the Giants are just misery. They're just, they're just, Pure misery for those fans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's, I, I do think that Danny Dimes returns next week and they need him back because negative nine yards passing total with all the sacks and everything. Not good. Not good at all. <laughs> um, Barkley is great this year. Um, and I know I said going into the year that he was going to be a top 10 back and I, I hedged that bet a little bit but it does look like he's going to end up being a top 10 back before the season's over with kind of interesting very fun game very brutal game to watch like no one wants to watch a 10 10 game going into overtime but i did watch all of overtime really surprising how it ended but uh yeah danny dimes is back i don't think danny dimes is gonna help them (laughs) i think they're kind of screwed now and they're stuck with that contract and i think that uh dayball is gonna get fired pretty soon I think if they wanted to move on from it this year, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It's probably like a $40 million dead cap hit. So not the end of the world, but uh, not good either on the GM, because I think only one more year is guaranteed. You think Dable's gone pretty soon? Well, if he is, then Buffalo better take him back immediately. Yeah. They could wait till the end of the year, but usually they, they fire a coach before the year's over. Uh, I think he should be the... I think he should be the head football coach for the Buffalo Bills because I don't believe Sean McDermott is it. 
That's a bold statement with how poor the Giants' offense has been. Exactly. Well, speaking of other coaches on the hot seat, speaking of, uh, what was that? The talent isn't there with the Giants at all. Um, uh, I mean, Danny Dimes looked all right last year. It changes, though, when you upgrade from Jones to Allen, though. Like, we can't sit here and act like that's not, like, a huge major upgrade. Okay, but the Giants added more offensive talent, and their offense got worse. So that speaks more to the coaching than it does to the quarterback. Agreed there. Agreed. So but he's chased Tony. He, he doesn't. So from what I've learned with this GM and coach, they don't know how to draft wide receivers that they actually want to use. And that's a big problem. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Um, we can talk about another coach that's on the hot seat. And their latest loss, the Washington Commanders, put up a fight against the Eagles, but eventually lost um, in the fourth quarter to the Eagles, let them score 21. Um, Ron Rivera looks like he's very much on the hot seat with this team, despite them performing a little bit better than expected to start the year. Jeff, what do you make of that and this matchup? Oh, so I think I called this one. I I said that Washington would play the Eagles a lot closer than it would seem. And uh, I believe both quarterbacks put on a show in this in this matchup here. Jalen Hurts looked much better with uh, his arm than his legs this week. Sam Howell. So here's the thing. Like, I know we disagree with Sam Howell quite a bit, but when you put up games like this against Philadelphia, it is really hard for me not to think that you couldn't be the guy on a team. And so I still believe that there's a chance and an opportunity where Sam Howell is the guy and he deserves a chance to, to, to see that one way or the other. Um, the brotherly shove did fail in this matchup where Washington get, got a fumble recovery out of it. Um, and then the Eagles busted out a new look out of the brotherly shove where they did a handoff where Swift ran for a touchdown out of the backfield. Um, so it's interesting because Philly's run game really struggled in this matchup. Um, and then Dotson looks like he's becoming more of a focal point in this offense, which he needs to become because that when you get him and McLaurin going, it's going to only help Howell with, uh, Logan Thomas. And then you get Curtis Samuel into that fold. Like Sam Howell has some real weapons and he's actually using them and he actually looks really good. And what is your tune on Sam Howell this week? I thought Sam Howell had a very good matchup, a very good game against, a supposedly Tough good matchup. defense. So yeah. I, I thought he did pretty. I thought he did really well, and um, unfortunately, it wasn't enough. And I don't feel like Ron Rivera should actually be on the hot seat because I think, in my opinion, Washington has overperformed from what I thought they would do. So I think they've been very competitive, and I think that they have an outside chance to potentially make the playoffs still. And I think Howell has the capability to potentially be the guy, maybe, but. I want to see him be more consistently good than what he's been so far, but he does have these huge weeks every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. And but I do think that Washington, after trading away both of their defensive ends today, I think that the new owner wants to put his stamp on this franchise. And this is, I think Rivera's got to go for him to do that. We'll see. All right, we can move on to the Browns at the Seahawks. And Jeff, I know you want to. Uh, Congratulate Gino on another victory because you love him so much. Oh, he did not look good again. He has what nine touchdowns on the year in seven games. Sounds like a legitimate playoff contender right there. Um, I know they're in first place in their division. Is that correct? They sure Five are first. So they are right there. They did bolster their defense this week. So there is 
that piece of it. As far as, so Gino led the Hawks back with a last second touchdown against PJ Walker. Hopefully Watson returns next week because the Browns aren't as fun to watch without him because they don't use Amari Cooper. They don't use uh, Elijah Moore as much as they would with uh, Watson out there. Also, um, what was interesting leading in targets was Cooper and Lockett in this game. And Lockett was a game time decision going into this week. And I benched him in a few leagues because I didn't think he's going to be used as much as he was. But um, yeah, that was kind of my big takeaways from this game. Uh, Run games still didn't look that great. I think that's like a theme across the NFL right now. Like no one's run game looks good right now, uh, except for a few select few teams. Do you think Watson will return next week or do you think we're looking at another week absence? I think another week absence, um, his shoulder's just not right. I think even when his shoulder is right, he's not the quarterback he was with the Texans. So I think they should be looking at another option. Hopefully instead of PJ Walker, hopefully they switch to Dorian Thompson Robinson again. I think he deserves a chance. (laughs) Again, I think he's right now, he's him. the only one that's got a little bit of upside. <laughs> so I know his uh, real NFL start wasn't as great as his preseason, but I think that the team is good enough that if they can win with B.J. Walker, they can win with Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, as far as rushing offenses, I think despite the few rushes, I think Seattle's rushing attack was actually very hyper efficient. Like, but why did Kenneth Walker only get eight rushes? Why did Charbonnet only get five rushes? I don't understand why they didn't run the ball more, but they averaged 8.3 yards per carry, 10.6 yards per carry. I think that they easily both could have had 100 yards rushing between uh, each, between the two of them. So um, I don't know why that happened. But, man, the the real thing for me with Geno Smith right now is the disconnect with DK Metcalf. For whatever reason, those two cannot get on the same page. I don't know if Gino just can't anticipate DK's speed. I don't know if the routes that they're choosing for DK aren't uh, optimal routes to run. Um, I I don't know if DK is going off script. I don't know if DK is demanding the ball and they're trying to force it his way. Uh, so I don't know what's up with that connection. But he had 14 targets and only secured five of those catches and a couple a couple of the bad plays. I think I want to say both interceptions for Gino was on a target to DK and it was on a predictable play call. So the the Cleveland Browns knew exactly what route it was going to be and jumped it. And I think that's more indicative to unimaginative uh, play calling more so than just a quarterback himself. So if you're doing the same kind of routes and teams can watch it and predict it, then that's more on the play calling than the actual quarterback. I think Gino, because it's a bad year for quarterbacks, he is currently a top 15 quarterback. And I know that's not very inspiring to you, Jeff, but that is what it is right now. So maybe they can do better in the future at quarterback, but I think Gino's pretty good. I think they need to spice up the playbook though. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's the same playbook as last year and he's regressed. So they haven't added any wrinkles. They haven't changed anything. If it's the same, then everyone knows what it is. They added them extra weapons, too, to be exact. Yeah, but if the routes are all the same and the plays are all the same and people can study it and film and know exactly what's going to happen, it doesn't matter who the weapons are. So Geno Smith in fantasy is currently quarterback 22. Just so you, just so we're on the same page here. Top 15 okay. in my behind. And how many of the people in front of him have not had a bye week? Ahead of him is Justin Fields, who's missed two games with injury. Desmond Ritter's ahead of him, and he missed a half. So he's got a half of more football than him. 
Um, Derek Carr's ahead of him. CJ Stroud's ahead of him with the bye week. Uh, Baker Mayfield with the bye weeks ahead of him. So he's in the Baker phylum. So <laughs> your uh, Dak's ahead of him with a bye week. And then all the rest of them are way far ahead of him. Jordan loves ahead of him with a bye week. <laughs> that one excited me. Jordan Love is a lot more points ahead of him. So he's at 128. So he's 28 points ahead of him. And they both have had their bye weeks. He is not a viable fantasy quarterback. I will die on yes, that he hill. You he's are not. insane. You're insane. So quarterback okay. 22 is a viable. So a guy that scores 14 points a week is a viable fantasy quarterback. 14.4 is what he's averaging. Let's see here. I'm letting you pick apart here. Gardner Minshew, who wasn't even the starter to lead the year, is 13 points behind him. So he's 16 he is terrible. in passing. He's 16 in passing yards. And he's okay. way down in attempts. He is way further down in attempts. Okay. So they have a balanced offense. Oh, no. We're talking about viability of a fantasy quarterback, which he is not. I'm talking about real NFL, dude. Real NFL. Hey, never too early fantasy football podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. He has the same (laughs) amount of touchdowns as Lamar Jackson, same amount of touchdowns as Trevor Lawrence, same amount as C.J. Stroud. Surprisingly, Matt also has nine touchdowns. Honestly, dude, it's so fluky, and I I think no matter what, he's going to end up in the top 15. It's going to happen. He's not there yet, and he's behind really bad quarterbacks. Yeah, he will because because Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins and everyone tore their Achilles. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. Only person that's worse than the only person that's worse than him is Zach Wilson and and Bryce Young. Uh, right now, Joe right. Burrow is behind him. Who would you rather have, Joe Burrow or Gino going forward? Dude, don't play games like that. You know anyone's going to pick Joe Burrow, but Baker Mayfield <laughs> will fade. Okay. Jordan Love will fade. Okay. Sam Howell pretty will eventually fade. Head start. Russell Wilson will fade. Uh, obviously, Kirk Cousins, who tore his Achilles, will fade. Yeah. We disagree Stroud, with Sam Howell, As time. much as I don't want him to, will fade. Like, eventually, even accounting, even if you didn't have injuries, he would have ended up a top 15 fantasy quarterback. It's going to happen. Jeff. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Anyway, do we have anything else for this matchup? No. We, we, okay. we, we both hate Geno Smith, and we can move forward. No, I do not hate Geno Smith. I don't claim he's a top 10, but I do say top 15. Anyway, let's move on to the Ravens at Cardinals. And my gosh, Jeff, did the Ravens struggle in the first half of this matchup? Are we panicking oh on this offense? Or do you think that just Arizona's defense is just way better than what we thought? So this was my lock. I switched my lock of the week to this one. This was actually a really good matchup for me. Lamar came back down to earth. Um, but uh, they still did enough to win. Gus Edwards is kind of coming out of nowhere. He's a guy that I actually cut in a few dynasty leagues in the offseason. And yeah, so DeMarcado had 20 carries in this matchup. So interesting workhorse running backs in this matchup, which it doesn't seem like that happens very often anymore. And then I know you're not a big fan of him, but Trey McBride had a coming out party in this matchup. And this is kind of what I was looking for from it. I don't only took, an injury, a season in season ending injury for uh Ertz for him to actually emerge. Yeah. But anyway, um I thought that Dobbs actually had an okay game against a really tough Ravens defense. I thought that for the first half of the game, the Cardinals defense played very, very well. Uh obviously the Cardinals offense faded until about fourth quarter comeback time period. But the Ravens are a better team. 
obviously Lamar didn't light it up like uh, most people expected he would, which was kind of disappointing for anyone who owned Zay Flowers or any of the other receivers on uh, the Ravens. But people who had to play Gus Edwards had have to be very happy with a three-touchdown performance in 80 yards. So that's pretty impressive. He is uh, the number one reason why I lost <laughs> in one of my leagues. So that... That was uh, unfortunate to be on the receiving end of that, but I actually thought Gus Edwards has been this whole year, even when J.K. Dobbins was healthy. I think Gus Edwards is the best running back on the Ravens. Um, I don't think that he's an elite running back, but right now with how the offense is, he's going to put up big weeks. And the last two weeks showcase, he's capable of putting up big weeks. So that's something to look forward to. Um, Like I've stuck to on the Arizona Cardinals in lieu of James Conner, DeMarcado is the the running back to own, and when James Conner's back, I think that uh, they'll have a short time share until James Conner's fully up, but then it'll be James Conner to finish out the year, in my opinion. But like you said, Trey McBride, he is now in the tight end one realm. I don't think that there's any ifs or buts about it anymore, and with no competition from Ertz, he's definitely locked in there for me. Um, <clears throat> with the quarterback change, I'm hoping that guys like Michael Wilson might be good to go as well with Kyler Murray or um, with the other quarterback there um, if he starts over Murray this week. So, I mean, we'll talk about that in the next episode more, but I'm hoping for more for Michael Wilson. Um, Outside of that, there really wasn't much to talk about other than Marquise Brown had kind of a mediocre revenge game against the Ravens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it, it, this is kind of how I expect both of these teams to go. If you looked in the standings, Cardinals are the number one overall pick now, which we kind of <laughs> thought earlier in the season. Yeah, we uh, we definitely picked that, but we definitely didn't think they'd play as well as they have in a lot of these games. Absolutely. We can move on to the next matchup, sir. What it is we have on deck? Oh, the Bengals pulled off the victory against the 49ers, and that is with Brock Purdy actually starting. So that's interesting. I like the Bengals. I like... I like Joe Burrow. I didn't expect a win against the 49ers, though. So it seems to me, number one issue with the 49ers is missing Debo Samuels. I think he's much more vital than I gave him credit for. Um, so I am I think that he is a cog that's a missing piece right now with him being injured. Um, however, you got to give it to Joe Burrow with some of the plays that he made where they should have blown it dead, but he kept going and got out of multiple sacks to throw a, a beautiful strike. Um, he, to me, is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not uh, potentially better than uh, Mahomes, in my opinion. I think he's a better quarterback when he's healthy, not when he has a calf injury for the first part of the year. Um, So I'm I'm happy for the Bengals because it it was much more needed for them to get a victory, whereas San Francisco is a half a game behind the Seahawks because the Seahawks are five and two. San Francisco is now five and three. So they're a little bit behind. Um, I expect them to bounce back and take the first, seed in their division but um, I think that T Higgins had a bounce back week and that was nice to see I think Joe Mixon had probably his best week of the season so far uh, against his hometown um, 49ers team I think he's from the Bay Area so he was trying to play his best Uh, hopefully he can keep his performance up going forward but George Kittle had a big week Brandon Ayuk had a good week Fish McCaffrey has a good week every week so those are the guys you really want to key in on Jeff or your takeaways in, in this matchup. Oh boy. So I think the Bengals are back, right? Yes. Yes, they are. Look out. So Ravens. are you as critical? The Bengals are back. 
Are you as critical about how they handled Burrow? No. I mean, how many of those games did they win earlier on? No, but it Let's helps see. him get his timing and his rhythm and be out there, which does matter. I mean, they won one of the first four weeks, and yeah. that was a but really that was last year too close one. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm kind of mixed on it because I don't think it was the right decision health wise, but at the same time, he's back now and he looks healthy, so that's really good. So they he were fortunate that it didn't get worse. They were very fortunate it wasn't worse. And uh, right now they look like they're back in playoff position. So they're going to play tough teams. They're going to play the Bills next, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. But they also have Baltimore and Pittsburgh, who are tough division rivals who also have winning records. Um, they have Jacksonville, Kansas City. Um, they have another matchup against Cleveland. Uh, it's not going to be an easy road, but they look like they are probably going to edge in the playoffs. So I'm excited for them. Me too. And it looks so both of these teams should make deep runs, as you were alluding to there. Uh, I can't believe CMC's tight end, or a touchdown streak is up to 17 games now. Most ridiculous player in the NFL. I love having him. I love having him in, in over half my leagues. It's fantastic. Okay. Well, are, are we done with this one? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's move on to the ginormous upset. And uh, I have a few Broncos fan family members and friends out there so i will give all props to denver for pulling off the upset against kansas city i know that jeff last week we we talked about it like potentially don't count denver out i know we sided with kansas city because it just seems really tough for denver to upset them but as you indicated last week that it is a division matchup and division matchups are never a given even when you think the other team is lesser than uh the the favored but denver seems like they're starting to figure the offense out. It seems like Russ and Sean Payton are getting closer to being on the same page, and I'm sure you'll elaborate on that a little bit more. But things are looking up for Denver, and things look very chaotic for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes had one of his worst weeks he's ever had in his entire career starting this week against Denver, and I, I think that that's all the credit to the Denver players and coaching staff. Jeff, what are your takeaways for this matchup from this matchup. So Mahomes was sick going into this matchup, and I do think that contributed a lot to this matchup. Um, but he looked really bad. Um, Russ threw for three touchdowns on 114 yards, which tells me that they figured out a formula of him throwing less, being more efficient throwing, and running the football. Um, and then it looked like Judy and Sutton might have been on the move this week, so they actually both decided to score touchdowns here to see if they couldn't bolster some of their trade value. Didn't work because they didn't get on the move at all. But the Chiefs are hurting, the Broncos are kind of rising. They could be a surprise wildcard team. Don't look now, but they've won three their last three matchups. Good I don't know if I'd go that far play. for I don't know if I'd go that far for the Broncos, but I, I think that they're there's more good things to come in the future, and maybe next year might be brighter than, than this season, uh, especially if they hold on to some of their key players. They didn't trade Jerry Judy or Sutton at the, the deadline, so they're going to be holding on to those guys. Uh, hopefully they build more of a rapport with Russell Wilson. Javante Williams will continue to get healthier and healthier, and Jaleel McLaughlin is still a very good change of pace back. So I, I think that we will see them improve. I think their defense kind of worked out some of the issues that they've struggled through for the first seven weeks. And um, they, it may not be this year for them, but I, I think that hopefully they get things straightened out and next year they bounce back with a better record. Absolutely, absolutely. But it looks like Sean Payton's figuring out something. 
All right. I'm done with this matchup. Do you have anything else to add? And we can go to the last two primetime matchups. Uh, the only thing I have to add is the Chiefs desperately needed a, a wide receiver upgrade and they didn't make a move. So I don't know if this offense is going to go to the Super Bowl like they did last year. All right. You know who is going to the Super Bowl? The Chargers. They destroyed the Bears. Herbert starts on fire. Eckler is reestablished in the passing game. Johnson gets more involved and is a must roster at this point. I don't think he's due for the lineups yet. And then um, there really isn't too much to take away from the Bears. They do need Justin Fields back kind of soon. I Okay. I, I don't know if the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. Um, Talent-wise, I think they should, but they're three and four right now. And I don't think that this matchup was as much of a blowout as it seemed on the scoreboard. Um, I I think that Tyson Badgett is better than the two interceptions that he had. I thought he played very well, and there's a bunch of blatant drops by the receiving team there with the Bears. I think Badgett will continue to improve. I don't know if he's going to end up being the guy, but I think he's better than people thought he would be. I think the Bears have been pretty competitive. Um, I hope that they fix their rushing attack. Uh, going forward as well uh, but Cole Komet to me is a tight end one going forward so that is what I gained from the Chicago side for the Chargers uh, they struggle to get anything going on the ground every once in a while like some weeks they, they look great some weeks they look terrible they did not look good this week on the ground um, Eckler did his damage through the air I thought Keenan Allen looked off in this matchup, he just didn't seem like he played full speed, like he was playing with a nagging injury. He seemed like a decoy sometimes, which is weird. Um, yes, he got 10 targets, but he normally has, like, I feel like 14, 15, 16 targets. They definitely made an effort to involve Quentin Johnston a little bit more, and I think part of that was Palmer having injury issues in this game as well. So I don't see anything special from Quentin Johnston. I think that what they wanted from him is to be a deep threat. I don't think that that's emerged yet. Um, hopefully he can get that worked out. And hopefully he and Herbert can get their chemistry down and timing right. Um, Johnson, to me, still needs to work on his actual aggressiveness in catching the ball. He needs to be a little bit more physical against some of the, the NFL corners. It's no longer in college. Like The corners are going to be stronger than, than he is because he's kind of a, a slender guy. But he definitely had his best game of the season so far. And, and uh for any of you who are Johnston fans or Johnston owners, hopefully he continues to improve. For sure. Um, and I, I do like the little steps that he's taken so far. So I don't think that he was ever meant to be a 2023 asset. I do think that they had fully intended using Allen and Williams this year. But then obviously Williams, who perennially gets injured, got injured again. I mean, obviously, this was a much more serious injury. But uh, I don't really have anything else to add to this, but this is kind of what the Chargers should do to teams that are less than them. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to the final matchup, the Monday night matchup, which was the Las Vegas Raiders in the Detroit Lions home territory. So I'll let you get started because there's a rookie sensation that kind of came out of this. A couple of them. So one of Jeff and my favorite rookies going into the year, Jameer Gibbs had an explosive week, both on the ground and in the air. I think he's looked the best that he has. Uh, he's been great the past two weeks, and I hope that he continues to be great even when David Montgomery's back, and they, uh, especially out of the bye week. I hope these two can be phenomenal one-two punch like David Montgomery. Destroy 
the defensive line and like bust through and wear them down. And Jameer Gibbs just dice them up with his speed and his agility and his catching ability. So I hope that this is a sign of things to come. I really enjoyed that. Um, Goff had a kind of mixed night. Like he had a lot of good throws. He had a lot of bad throws under pressure. And his his pick six was he was being hit and pressured and he threw a, a floater out there and it was easily picked off. So that was kind of disappointing. Um, uh, Amon Ross and Brown had a good week with 108 yards and six catches off nine targets. And Laporta, 10 targets, eight catches, 57 yards and touchdown. Um, that was really it. So it's really Amon Ross and Brown and Laporta Gibbs were, were basically the main uh, guys in this one. And yes, Craig Reynolds complimented Gibbs well. That's going to go away when David Montgomery's back. But the receiving options, they were missing something. They're missing a second receiver. Jameson Williams hasn't been it yet. Josh Reynolds didn't do well. Uh, so they traded for uh, Peoples-Jones from Cleveland, and they, they traded a late pick, but I think he has a lot of upside to complement these other guys and provide something that they're missing until Jameson Williams figures it out. Uh, on the Raiders side, Jimmy Garoppolo looks terrible. I, I don't think he's a good quarterback. I think he's still hurt a little bit, but either way, I don't think he would have been able to do enough to beat the Lions. I think that they should move on to Aiden O'Connell. Um, I don't know if you agree with that, and I don't know how you feel about Josh Jacobs and the rest of this team, Jeff, but why don't you tell me how you feel about this matchup? Boy, I thought uh, Devonta Adams was going to talk his way out of the Las Vegas area, but that did not happen either. Um, uh, what do the Raiders do at quarterback right now? Like, I know you're going to say Aiden O'Connell, but I have not really seen much from him that would want me to to start him. Um, or think that he's a, a starting NFL quarterback, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and I know you like DTR. We talked about that earlier. These are two quarterbacks that had good preseasons, but preseason isn't the same as regular season. Not even not even 1% close. Um, so I do think there's a reason why teams will not start these, these players. Um, but to only have one catch by Adams and one catch by Myers is a gross game plan at the very least if not execution by garoppolo at the at the most on that um and why mcdaniels isn't like chirping and trying to get him his focus changed it kind of baffles me and teams that have trouble protecting quarterbacks i really don't understand why they don't go to a more short passing game but uh teams don't do that they don't scheme well when they're under duress and that is very evident here yeah i just think the raiders might end up with the first overall pick um sadly they already have three wins so that may not happen but uh they are definitely a um contender for that and uh it's really sad because they have the talent in the skill the, the skill position i think their only other option might be to reach out to a not employed carson wentz right now and see what could happen there honestly Devonte Adams would be happier having a gunslinger back there throwing the ball versus someone that has a spaghetti noodle arm. I don't know, man. You keep throwing out Carson Wentz, but no one's interested. Like Minnesota traded for Dobbs instead of signing Carson Wentz off the street. I, I just don't see it, I don't, man. I don't know why, man, because he did bring the Colts within one game of the playoffs. The Colts that had switched quarterbacks two or three times in the previous years. So I just don't know if. I just don't think he's gotten a fair shake because he is he's a he's a player that could keep a team in contention. And then 
Also, the Raiders have to look at it more than just being in contention. They have to look at it as keeping Adams and Jacobs and even Myers at this point happy because if they're not happy going into the offseason, this could be a very interesting offseason. It seems like it's probably more of a personality issue than it is necessarily talent issue. Because I think but we he's haven't talented heard enough. anything from him, though. That's I, the problem. I, I, he had that one photo where he's wearing three different teams apparel while training and i think that was very off-putting because two of those teams are actually division rivals so it's taking off two fan bases at the same time um i don't know i think he has the talent to be on a roster but i don't think he's someone at this stage in his career that's necessarily going to help people win yeah for sure yeah i can i can concur with that but they're gonna have to do something to get the locker room back i don't know if it's firing mcdaniels i don't i I don't i don't know what they're gonna they're going to lose the locker room really soon. And once you do that, it's really hard to rein it back in. So they're getting close. Well, uh, I, I we could, agree with we, you, though. We could see the meltdown in two weeks. Yeah, I think the meltdown's already happening. Yeah, and primetime against the Jets on Sunday Night Football. We could see it happen. The primetime game that should have been flexed, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I agree with you. I think the Raiders are going to end up uh, on the bottom of the AFC. Whether that's the first overall pick or not, I think they're going to pick high regardless. So I agree with you there. But that's that's it for this episode. So that does it for this episode. And thank everyone for listening or downloading the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps, and we appreciate it. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching n2e fantasy and with our handle at n2e fantasy on all social media platforms please give us a follow until next time take care of yourselves and remember it's truly never too early for fantasy football thank you again bye everybody